You saved my boy. Thank you. Who are you? I'm Spider-Man. So you're gonna go down there and save those other cars now? I'm actually, um, kind of busy all of a sudden, but I'm sure they'll be fine. Welcome everyone to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. Heck uh, yeah! Uh, kind of I'm a little David bit when Luzader. you were doing that, but I don't feel, you're not David Luzader. I am David Luzader, and my co-host today is... Mick Shermooksness. How do you even say your last name, Nick? Uh, that is... Who even cares? Right. Uh, right, right. Welcome everyone to a new episode. That's right, new, brand new. This isn't a repeat. You don't have to, you know, you better set your DVRs every week because we're going to be here. New material. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know Nick why. And you, I will be. You know, you're not David as much as you want to be. Guys, I'm David. We've been actually using the other person's name this entire time, but I am actually David. You know, that actually. Loser door. Uh, I just want to emphasize it's loser. It's pronounced loser door. Nobody cares. This that uh, that actually reminds me. I don't think you ever watched this, but I used to be really into this, like Flash series called uh, Bonus Stage. I think is what it was called. And Flash series, like, like, like the, sorry, like Flash animation series. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Flash and animation. and one of the episodes, they get a genie. But they get two genies. Mm-hmm. One of the wishes is temporary. One of them is permanent. And I can't remember what the like the temporary wish was. But the permanent wish was that uh, the two characters it was Phil and Joel. One of them wished that their that their voices would be switched. And so for the rest of the series, like the the guys who did the voices just switched characters. That's pretty funny. Yeah, and it was like like twenty episodes in, and there ended up being I think over a hundred of them it was really great (laughs) that's that's a a pretty good switcheroo yeah pretty good commitment on their part do you remember the website newground oh yeah newgrounds i go on there sometimes to play games it still exists yeah it's a thing oh all right it seems like just such a staple of like the the middle school high school era right at least for us anyway this is not the heck yeah heck yeah newground (laughs) heck yeah newgrounds podcast this is the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. Uh, I just want to give a special shout-out to Hank, who works at Atlas Comics in Charlottesville. If you're listening to this, we uh, we chatted a little bit today about podcasts. Nice. He, he said he wanted to get one going, so hopefully, you know, if they, if they, they, they do get that going, we can, uh, we can do some collaboration. I like to collab. We always like to do that. So, yes, we do. Reach out. Keep, that. keep your ears peeled folks and your eyes open whatever well, let's talk about some comics man Oof, comics such a heady controversial subject it really can be if we're going to keep talking Depends about milo minara which is all we're doing today yes we've actually we actually are changing to the heck yeah milo minara criticism podcast <laughs> exactly no, but Nick, what? How about that? That you know that link I sent you with like the the three D modeling of what the Spider Woman oh, would look like. Oh, that was like so creepy. Life? 
Doesn't that that's like like Silent Hill type monster? Because because pe- I heard some people talking about it and they said, yeah, the way that she's drawn, she has no neck, and I didn't really realize until I saw that three D model just how true mm-hmm. and horrible it it was. Yeah. You know, some guys are just into that. You know, they like their women with big heart shaped asses and no neck. And yeah, what well, well, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm one of them. I'm just saying that there are guys out there. Uh huh. No, I, I'm sure. Like I'm sure that. you don't have a secret folder no. on the, your computer. The less neck, the better. I say. <laughs> well, I would if I was into that. I'm not into that. <laughs> I, you know, I've seen you have a T-shirt that actually says "The less neck, the better." Now it all makes sense. Death of Wolverine number one came out today. I want to talk briefly about that as uh, we lose Nick for some odd reason entirely. Don't worry, folks, not on my end. My line is secure as per usual. We'll wait to see what's going on. It's okay. Nick told me before the show that due to, I don't know, his own inept laziness, he ended up not reading any comics today. And that is really entirely on him. But, Death of Wolverine number one. What happened there? I don't know. You got lost connection. I bashed you for about 20 seconds, and now we're back. Oh, awesome. Okay. So, Death of Wolverine number one. I have a bone to pick with Marvel here. Because Go what... ahead. Now, you know, let me not just jump into what's bad. Let me talk about what's good with this book. Uh, I really like the cover. I really want to say that this the cover has a nice has a nice thickness to it of like the material used it's not like a normal flimsy comic cover it really reminds me of those sort of like big 90s events comics mm-hmm. like the one that keeps coming to mind is you know death of superman mm-hmm. but just that nice material and sort of that laminate look to it uh i just i really like that silhouette of wolverine with the wolverine in there it's wolverineception <laughs> really great going uh the art in here is actually really good. They Marvel did a good job, you know, putting their putting their money in on this book to make it a, a quality story, package. a quality package. Thank you. Uh, as far as as far as the actual comic goes, uh, mm-hmm. the, the story is pretty good. It's you know I have not read a Wolverine book or an X Men book in a long time. I just have a very tangential knowledge of what's going on with wolverine um but this alien did... virus still is healing factor etc right exactly they do a good enough good enough job of setting you up fairly naturally i mean it's there's a little bit of ham-fisted dialogue in there to kind of get what you need to know but i thought they mm-hmm. did a pretty good job making it natural enough that as someone who hasn't read all the wolverine stuff up until now i get what's going on they're being very straightforward uh, except for the end shot of Sabretooth like being on a chain, which I'm sure there's a lot of backstory I don't get there. Anyway. Uh, was that, is that how the book ended? Yes. With him on a chain? I was going to say, because I vaguely remember when Wolverine went to hell, okay. that Sabretooth, Sabretooth, who had already been dead for some time before that, mm-hmm. had like, was like, like the devil's lapdog. Like he was on mm-hmm. a chain, like he was kind of... Oh, you know, okay. Interesting parallel. So maybe that has something to do with it. Because, I mean, having not read the issue yet, I know that leading into this, uh, Sabretooth has been sort of, since he came back to life, mm-hmm. um, he's been steadily growing an empire, a criminal empire in Japan and Madripoor, along with Mystique. 
So, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like he was on the up and up. So okay. that is uh, curious. Well, they mentioned Madripoor, so that explains that. I didn't know that. Uh, the nice thing is that I didn't feel like I needed to know that. Uh, there's there's something it seems that maybe someone else was pulling the strings for for uh, Sabretooth there. I, I'm not mm. going to spoil it, you know, since you haven't read it. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to say I do want to correct something I said last week where I felt like I didn't think Hush was going to be the big bad of Batman Eternal. Mm-hmm. After reading this week's issue, I was wrong. He totally is the big bad of Eternal. How does that make you feel? Fine. I mean, I, I just, I kind of felt like there was going to be another layer for some reason, but now looking at it, it makes sense. And I like Hush. I like convoluted plots, but we're not talking about that right now. Talking about Death of Wolverine. We'll get the Hush, because I, I, I would have at least a small point to make on it. Okay. Yeah, you know. So we'll, let's stick with Death of Wolverine. We'll show it for bit. now. So I paid four ninety nine for this book. Nick? Nick, are you there? Oh, man, he is having continual issues. So I'm going to keep going on my little rant here. I paid four ninety nine for this book, Death of Wolverine. Now, I would not mind paying four ninety nine if I knew I was going to be getting a lot of extra story or a lot of really great extra content. However... This time around, all we got was a 22-page story, and then the last half of the book is a whole bunch of stuff. A lot of it is just sketches of panels that were already in the book. Uh, we get a few pages of the script and this big, long interview, just stuff that I didn't felt was worth paying the extra what two or three bucks to get. And Marvel had to have known this book was going to be a cash cow. Wolverine's arguably well, behind spider-man he's arguably their most popular individual character not even mm-hmm. talking about any team they knew that people who don't read uh, i am an example here who don't read x-men books or wolverine books were going to pick this up out of curiosity this could have been priced 299 399 they would have made hand over fist money wise like this just seems like they're really milking this a lot mm-hmm and that's disappointing. I don't like being, and I understand that. You don't like being milked, David. You don't I don't. Like someone grabbing your metaphorical udders and squeezing them tight. No, I don't. It makes me uncomfortable. I can imagine. And I, yeah, it. It's just not cool, Marvel. Not cool. You know, usually when, if I go to buy like a DC book, you know, if I'm going to pick up an issue of Batman, that's. Three ninety nine or four ninety nine. I know, man. I'm getting a lot of Batman out of this. How many pages is it usually? I I feel like with DC, I know that three ninety nine books are like you get better, like like the cover, like the pages are better, glossier mm-hmm. paper. But as far as like the page count goes, it stays somewhere with twenty to twenty two pages. I felt um, I felt like zero year. I have to go back and count it. Like the end of zero year, I felt like it was a long story. I think the last issue of Zero was actually four ninety nine. Right, but I'm saying I got so much more. You got more it. story. Yeah, I got more story, which is really, if I'm buying a comic, that's what I want. You know, if they wanted to, they wanted to have the death of Wolverine, that was two ninety nine, three ninety nine, and what you got was the story, mm-hmm. and then they had, you know, the the director's cut. They had the special edition that has all this extra stuff for four ninety nine. That would have been cool, but I didn't have that option. And I, I'm going to have to find an alternative method 
to read the rest of this book because I don't feel like paying five bucks for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Unless, and I don't know, maybe if I could talk to the future and see how much this book would be worth in a few years, probably nothing. Probably not, no. But, you know, if 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 this was something that could actually have some sort of value, then maybe, but I just, but the age that we live in, it's not going to. But, you know, that's that's me being cynical and bitter. What's new? That's what that's the thing of the show. What's new? Um you know, uh as I told you, and now I can tell our loyal listeners, my uh, comic shop is moving to uh to the mall. Yeah, I said you had uh, some what? lame excuse at some point. <laughs> um so I uh they they aren't opening until Friday, so I uh, wasn't able to pick up any of my books, though I was able to get a hold of Original Sin, uh, the final issue. So I did manage to scramble and read that um, before the show. So I can talk about that. Which we'll get, we'll get to in a minute. Uh, sure thing. I'm a little disappointed that you couldn't pick up Moon Knight, because Moon Knight number 7 came out. It's the first of the Brian, Brian Wood, Greg Smallwood. Yeah, I know. I was up. really looking forward to that one. What did you think? So I, I won't give... I won't give anything away because I don't think there's really a lot to give away. Uh, I think it does a pretty good job picking up on the vibe that uh, was left off from the from the whole Warren Ellis run. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, Brian or Greg Smallwood's art is good. I just don't think it was as good for this book as Declan Shelby's was. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Just Shelby's art really did it for me with that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Wood does a pretty good job of keeping the the tone pretty similar. I would say it's it's it's, it's a little different. They're not they're not exactly trying to do what they were doing there, which I appreciate. They're obviously going in their own direction. This has a feel of a bigger story to it, and it, it's funny because they actually pick up on a thread that was sort of. Uh, that was sort of started in issue number one, and you know now we're coming on with a new creative team who decide, yeah, you know let's let's explore this a bit more. Totally cool by me. I I think I'm gonna like it better that they're going to do something, do a more cohesive story, and not just try. Not not to say that I don't think they could pull it off, but mm-hmm. not you know not trying to to make lightning strike twice. Yeah, and I I think that. You know, that's just something where I think once you get a few issues into the the wood slash small wood uh, run, you know, it'll it'll start to reassert itself more. It's coming hot on the heels mm-hmm. of the Warren Ellis and Shelby run, so it's a little unfair to them, you know. Oh no, but they do so, a good job. I... Oh yeah, yeah, for for what it is. I, I, but I I imagine that most people reading it are going to be like, but what I really would have liked is Ellis and Shelby on issue seven and oh. so on. Well, yeah, I mean, I'd want them on there forever, but yeah. I, obviously it's not going to happen. Can we yeah. can we call um, Ryan Wood and Greg Smallwood like the forest team or something? The forest team? Yeah, they're you know it's, it's got wood in it. Wood. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. We could know, we'll, we could uh, hit them up. Just be like, guys, you're a bunch of trees. Well, I mean, we'll 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 put that idea on the back burner. But I think we need a snappy name to talk about their team. <laughs> All right, but that you know that's really all I'm gonna say for right now. I'm curious to see where it's going. I I know he wants to bring back the uh, 
excuse me, the therapist from like issue one or two. I can't quite uh, remember. Well, see, that's that's one of the threads they pick back up on. Oh yeah, the therapist, and I'm excited to see because that's something that I thought was going to be throughout. You know, the 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 run that that they were doing because it seemed like that was really important, and then it just got dropped. So I'm I'm glad that it's getting picked back up. I'm curious. Okay. You still there? Okay, I'm I'm constantly paranoid that you've dropped off again. No, no, no. I'm still here. I'm 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 with you. You know, definitely, it's gonna be a book I continue to read and uh, see where it's going. Well, for now, let's talk about Original Sin. Let's talk about the ending that has graced us today, issue number eight. Another big Marvel event closes its doors, takes down a sign, calls it a day. And we'll be back next week with the next Marvel event. How much time time is between Original Sin and Axis? Uh, I, I don't know. I actually... You know my my uh, but uh, an eye out for the next week or two of books, and I, I haven't the last couple of weeks. Just mm-hmm. with my shop, kind of kind of knowing ahead of time it was going to be in a, a state of upheaval. You know, I was just like, ah, well, I'll pick them up when I pick them up. Right. And I was like, wait a second, I'm a co-host on a podcast. I need to stay up to date on this stuff. Hmm. Well. Anyway, anyway, uh, I, it's at least a week or two. Okay. Um, but if, so, you know, for now, let's talk about. I think it's late September, so we probably have another week. We, uh, a couple weeks. All right, good. I need a breather. Woo. Woo wee wee. All right. But... Something French. <laughs> All right, original <laughs> sin has ended. We found out. Oh, man, so much stuff in this book. Uh, I'm trying to even remember. David Hasselhoff uh, is really old because I couldn't remember Nick Fury's name for a minute, so I just went with the guy that he most looked like. David Hasselhoff. David old Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff. Older David Hasselhoff. Because he's kind Very of getting true. He is old now. And so. uh, Axis comes out on October 8th. And the only reason I'm doing this is because Marvel, you know, they're in the middle of the event. Like, hey, don't forget about this event coming up. So I just figured, it, you know, while we're talking about Original Sin, I'll talk about Axis as well. You know, just, uh, just to keep it going. Well, I'm sure I'm sure there's a little bit of a lead in. From, from Original Sin to Axis? Yeah. Is there not? Because mm, it seems it, like with how much they've been hyping Axis since Original Sin started... Well, and that's one of the things you gotta think of with with Marvel books. Now, let's say, uh, let's let's go back to Infinity uh, from like last year. I want to okay. say they all blurs together now. Infinity was an outgrowth of Hick, Jonathan Hickman on his Avengers book, Avengers and New Avengers. So, certain books may you know certain writers or creative teams on their books may have you know they they knew ahead of time that Infinity was coming and wanted to participate. So, and I don't think this ha- this this actually happened but if they wanted to they could position certain plot points in their story to help lead into infinity and then back out but mm-hmm. if you if you wanted to know infinity in and out all you'd really have to do if you really want the big you know the biggest bang is to start from the beginning of Hickman's Avengers and read up through infinity and I'm sure that'll be the case leading into next year with time or later this year with time runs out and you know whatever major event you know brings Hickman's Avengers run to a close. Mm-hmm. With Axis, all you really have to read is uh, Uncanny Avengers and Captain America, and primarily Uncanny Avengers. Uh, I know just from reading interviews that there will be elements, you know, that go as far back as his Uncanny X-Force run, but at, at the very least, you know, if like I said, if you want your biggest bang for the story, 
you know, you can read Uncanny Avengers. So having read original set number eight, I don't think there's anything really there that will make Axis any more easier to swallow. Okay. If you haven't been following the other books, um, they, from at least from what I know of Axis so far, they're very distinct events. So it's not like you're getting two of the same things so closely together. Original Sin was a murder mystery, mystery mm-hmm. solved. Axis is like a big heroes versus villains, you know, palooza. Right. Like it's just gonna it's it, it's it's the mother load. It's the Michael Bay of events, uh, except written by Rick Remender, so it's going to be better. Um, you know, so scooting back to original sin does it live up to its murder mystery yes original sin is one of those events where if the internet didn't exist and you were an avid comic reader it would probably shock you on every page but because of the internet either because you subject yourself to interviews uh or previews or rumor sites like bleeding cool uh, and you just like you can't just like with movie trailers and things it's like you just can't try to pull every little bit of morsel because you're just that dang interested in the story and what it might what the ramifications might be. It, I feel like that actually hurts books, at least in my reading experience, because um, in a lot of ways it's like, oh, well, well, I have an idea that this is coming. You know, and of course, we especially, you know, us being on a podcast, we like to speculate. We like to articulate and, and kind of brainstorm our thoughts on these things. Um, but with original sin, uh, I think it was one of those things with, with murder mysteries, like murder mysteries are a really hard thing to pull off mysteries in general. You know, you mm-hmm. have to have a very satisfying conclusion was original sin. Number eight satisfying within the confines of its story. Every issue did exactly what it needed to do. And as far as events go, it was not a letdown. I wouldn't say that it blew my socks off. But it certainly was, a, I'll say, a solid event. When you expose it to the rest of the Marvel Universe, I think it's too early to say. Okay. Um, it establishes, you know, throughout the event, you know, or at least halfway through it, you know, it, it, it gave Nick Fury a deeper purpose and mission in the Marvel Universe over the course of its history. And from by the end of the event, it repositions Nick Fury Sr. in a way um, that, that makes me curious to uh, play with it or if they're just kind of kind of let it stew until someone comes with a really uh, good follow-up to it. Um, long story short, Original Sin, I kind of saw it all coming. And, Uh-oh. and I don't know my own speculation. What? Okay, well, you keep kind of, like, cutting out, and I don't know. We're, we're okay. We're still connected. Now? Yeah, we're still connected. I'm just not wanting to lose you, so, all right, keep going. Okay, uh, so Original Sin, um, what was I trying to say? It, I, I don't know. It You, you kind of, at this point, you know, if you've read, like, one interview, you kind of, you kind of see where it's going. Um, it ends basically revealing that uh, uh, spoilers that Nick Fury was the one who shot the Watcher. Okay. Um, the I think it, it kind of leaves you kind of leaves it to the reader to decide what, not necessarily why he did it. They kind of give you a why but was it necessary? Um, 
what they reveal through flashbacks is that these villainous characters, Dr. Midas, his daughter, Obulette, um, these, and, um, well, Dr. Midas and Obulette were from Grant Morrison's Marvel Boy series, and Jason Aaron has uh, made no mystery of the fact that he loves Grant Morrison, and why not? We both love Grant Morrison ourselves. It's true. Um, you know, he, he brought them kind of out of limbo to to play in this event. They were teamed up with a character that Jason Aaron has probably put in every single one of his Marvel comics, uh, the Orb, who is just a guy with a giant eyeball. Oh, yeah, you uh, talked as, about him a little bit. Yep, as the as sort of the main villains in the book. And basically what you find out is that you know, they hatch a plot to go to the Watcher's stronghold and basically rob him. Um, cause he's got various, you know, super cosmic devices and weapons in there that they could use to ex- rule the world, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Nick Fury, you know, being the man on the wall, you know, which is the term used to describe his position as like earth's, you know, first and last defense against any and all threats. Um, you know, goes to investigate, but by the time he gets to the watchers already kind of been not, not killed, but been attacked and he's lost one of his eyes. Uh, they took one of his eyes. Uh, basically, it leads to a standoff where Nick Fury feels the, the Watcher is judging him. Um, and, you know, be like, oh, well, you only stand there and watch, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And then it ends with, like, the Watcher starts to, like, charge his hands to, like, I guess attack Nick Fury. And Nick Fury has his gun drawn. And then basically says, you know, damn you for making me do this. And then kills him, shoots him. What? What I took from the scene, and I'd be curious to hear what other people thought, was that it was essentially like suicide by cop. Okay. That first, the watcher makes some comment where it's like, my time for watching is over. It's time for someone else to watch now. Um, and... And then basically that's when he starts to charge his his hands and that's when Nick Fury pulls the shot. Like, he essentially does it in what he sees as self-defense because he's about to get attacked. But And and someone mentions in the book, like, the Watcher could have killed you 30 ways to Sunday. Why didn't he? You know? Like, Mm -hmm. Nick Fury is this old dude in battle armor, sure, but, like, he shouldn't have been any match for the Watcher, which gives me the vibe that, that... for whatever reason, you know, him being attacked, losing his eye, kind of just tells him that, like, mm, I think my time's done. I've been around for, like, three bajillion years um, and kind of let Nick Fury kill him. Because I think he, with his limited amount of character that the Watcher has, I get the vibe that um, he wouldn't have stopped watching if he wasn't forced out of the position. So it was kind of a indirect That's such a way creepy of- sentence. Right, he wouldn't have stopped watching. <laughs> you know, Black just, widow in the shower. <laughs> you know, it, it's just something that I feel. You know, given his cosmic presence, I think that he just, you know, it, it kind of again going from my own perspective on what on the events that went down, it kind of gives him sort of a nuanced position where he literally was just tired, but at the same time he felt like it almost like a juxtaposition or a parallel to Nick Fury, um, in that like Nick Fury. Has they base and they show they all they ever show him in the book is like shooting various like monsters and aliens to like protect Earth, which doesn't feel any different from what most of the heroes do half the time these days, right? Um, you know, but like, oh, like Nick Fury, like you've done so many terrible things, like you have to answer for your crimes, like that's what all the heroes are doing. And I'm like, like, half of you were involved in the Hickman New Avengers book where you're all like blowing up planets to save your own planet, so like, 
it's, it's just like the hypocritical stuff like that where I realize that that's a normal thing, you know, it's a human thing to do. You well, know, it's also but very it, common it, it, in comics, especially with when all that Cyclops stuff happened. Yeah, Cyclops. I don't want to talk about that. Um, <laughs> um, but crap, I lost my train of thought. So, but I, as far as far as uh, the Watcher goes, I, I think it, it put a, a little extra nuance in his character. Where it, it, to me, it felt like Suicide by Cop that he set himself up for the line of fire on purpose, okay. uh, which is interesting because. Besides this one panel in the main book, they do they do reference it in Mighty Avengers, but just before Original Sin in Matt Fraction's Fantastic Four slash FF books, um, they had established that the Watcher actually had a wife who was pregnant, um, and you know she apparently had been pregnant for like thousands of years because it just it, the baby happens when it happens is what she says. What? Um, in, in Original Sin, they don't show this at all. In the Mighty Avengers tie-in. Post post Watcher death, uh, one of the characters of Mighty Avengers goes to visit the Watcher's wife, and uh, the child is born. He gets named Godfather. Um, you know that, that that's other stuff. Um, they do show another Watcher. There's a group of Watchers that come to witness this final event. You know, on the moon, and one of them I believe is meant to be his wife, and she does say like goodbye Uatu. Um, so that's that's what I took from it was that it was referencing that she does exist in this main story. Okay. Um, Though they they also live on the moon, like right where the watcher got shot, so I don't really know where they were during this whole kerfuffle. But they were whatever. turned around. Yeah, they they just weren't looking in that direction. <laughs> um, but so that's another interesting thing. Where if if you take that, that the fact that he was you know he had a wife and kid, you know into into the the, the situation, and it, if it was suicide by cop type thing, um. It, it kind of it, it really changes the watcher's character. It, it really you know love it or hate it, it, it makes him a much more deeper vessel for for the stories. Well, no no longer because he's he's still dead. Um, uh, so what it does is it does basically the, the event ends with three important things to look out for in the future. One, if you already knew that there was going to be a new Winter Soldier series, it's that Bucky has taken on the new position as the Man on the Wall. And that's what his upcoming series will be about, is him doing what Nick Fury was doing, taking out the threats that need to be taken out by whatever means necessary, even if it damns his soul. Um, two, uh, what they which they did in issue seven was establish that Nick Fury tells something to Thor that makes him immediately unworthy of holding Mjolnir. 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 And three, that Nick Fury... Is in fact not dead by the end of, of the end of the event. He is presumed dead, um, but he is now called the Unseen. He's essentially the Watcher, except he's not. But he's he basically he's still an old man. He's still got like a robot eye in now, uh, and he's got a chain on his leg, so he's basically chained to the moon and forced to watch for all eternity. So he's he's a new kind of Watcher, I guess you would say. Then that's what makes me curious about how much are they going to play with that going forward? Because I feel like him being the unseen, they literally could just forget that he's there. Um, huh. You know, I know Marlis say like, oh, we follow up on this stuff, but, but to what, you know, they established that he had a wife and kids, but instead of making that a, a big plot point in the main story, they relegated it to a book that didn't sell nearly as much. You know, that being said, I do love Mighty Avengers. Um, 
so the three those are the three biggest things uh the orb somehow manages to make it through they tease uh, a plot line with obulet the daughter of dr midas uh and uh the orb uh manages to keep one of the watcher's eyes and now he has like an eye for a head and then like the watcher's eye is like stuck in like his chest Okay. It's really creepy. It's really creepy. There's a scene the, the scene that they end on with him is like really weird. Uh it's a very you know, at the end of the day, like if you like Jason Aaron, it's a very Jason Aaron Marvel tour. Like it's him playing with the whole Marvel universe. Um it does suffer from the usual things of events where you have a lot of characters juggling around and I think he's done a better job than most writers when they're dealing with a huge cast of characters, trying to make them all sound um, unique, you know, or or, or on, you know, honest to their, their, their the characters themselves. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, the story is a Nick. It's a Nick Fury story in and out. So everyone else there is playing to the Nick Fury flute. Um, but like I said, it's a solid event. For, for what it was. It changes a bunch of things. It it, it does a thing where it, yeah, it rewrites Marvel history to serve its own purposes, but at the end of the day th- both Marvel and DC have been doing that since like the very their very first issues. Um, very true. You know, so if you get past any continuity guffaws that, that the book might elicit, it's 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 a big old Jason Aaron Marvel murder mystery. Um Basically, the only thing you won't like is if you don't like that Nick Fury was the murderer. But like I said, what makes it interesting is, was it a murder by a, a suicide by cop type situation? Yeah, I'm sure. Remains, I'm sure they'll come back up this. at some point. Yeah, but as far as its relation to Axis, it's it's got zero. Okay. Uh, Axis might reference it, you know. Wow. Um, but but I don't think it's going to have a huge impact on the Axis event. Cool. Yeah, original sin. Jason Aaron, Mike Diodato for for an event. Uh, Mike Diodato did every single issue. I'm not a huge Diodato fan. Um, You know his art. I don't know. I I I don't really. I don't don't have the energy to to really try to go into detail on on his artwork. I think he has his fans. I'm not not a fan, but I I don't necessarily run out to pick up his work. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. But that doesn't mean he's bad. Just he's gotta be your unique taste. Yeah, and I make it I make no secret of the fact that I am not the world's biggest fan of Marvel big crossover events. I feel like as far as the main story goes, what this seems to have accomplished is a little more minimal compared to others. It still changes things and of course they still did the big reveal. Uh, you know, all these characters finding out all these secrets, which may or may not uh, be you know some some are obviously going to be good or interesting I should say some are just going to be plain bad but I I feel like overall this is probably one of the better events that I've heard about. Mm-hmm. I'm, it tries to do something different, and whenever yeah. you try to do something different, you get your 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 fans and you get your detractors. Um, I think that, and I imagine in every event they they do try to go in with their all, and uh, in this case, I want to say that. They didn't hit it out of the park, but they definitely made the outfielders outfielders struggle. Baseball reference. Look at that, people. We know stuff. Other than comic books, somehow no, we found the time. much. Anyway, before we move on, uh, I want to touch briefly on the fact that 
this is DC's big Futures End month, and we'll be talking about probably a little bit more of that next week. Uh, I have not read the Green Arrow one that came out this week. I read the Detective Comics one that came out this week. Mm-hmm. I don't know how all of them are going, but I thought the idea was really interesting that Arkham, uh, it's, I guess it's now Arkham Island, was designed entirely by Edward Nigma, and there's like this big standoff going on there. Mm-hmm. And the only person, uh, like Batman has to convince Nigma to help him like break through the defenses because he's the only one who knows how like it's impossible for cops to get there because the defenses are so good i don't know it's actually a really interesting story and i didn't know that they had reintroduced calendar man and <laughs> and entirely changed his uh origin i, I thought it, like the only time i've seen calendar man is in those channel 52 things they do at the back of the book well i i know him from the like the long halloween and stuff like that Mm-hmm. He's one of those more wayward Batman characters. Uh, he didn't seem to be, you know, in this one, it, what his story is now is that his wife was killed during the zero year blackout. And so he became this hired muscle and then became really abusive to his son. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, he like, he never, he, he says that he never knew dates before his wife died. And once his, once his family got destroyed, he likes to say he became very obsessed with dates and that's why he does all this. I think it's actually a pretty interesting reimagining. Some of the, some of the reworkings of the origins have been really hit or miss. I know some people really don't like what they did with the, uh, Mr. Freeze origin, but mm-hmm. I, I think, I, I think, you know, f- for a minor character, he's not he's not a major one. I think it's actually a pretty pretty cool idea. It's it's fun. It's different. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like yeah, you know, for these future end futures ends book. You know, I and I think with a lot of the September issues, you know, month, you know, year in and year out, you know, you're gonna your mileage is gonna vary from book to book. Uh, and mm-hmm. at least with these, these, you know, these quote unquote hypothetical futures, you know. It's just sort of it's it's an opportunity where you can say, oh, it doesn't count, but you know what? Just enjoy it for the ride it is. Well, it's this, a glimpse into the future. This actually counts, I guess. Uh, I missed the Detective Comics Annual Number Three, which is where they first introduced Calendar Man. Oh, okay. And all that. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Nick, are you ready? Oh no. You ready for a quiz? This this is the moment. This the one's moment in- where. This one's really interesting, and okay. I, I, I'm fun. This is gonna be fun because I found this list of references to the first time. You know, the first time we, I think the article is called. I can't shouldn't tell you about it. Anyway, it's it's a bunch of references to the first time certain things happened or certain characters first were introduced. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna ask you about some comic book firsts. Alrighty. All right. You ready? I'm ready. In what issue of Detective Comics was Alfred f- first depicted as thin? As thin? Yeah, Alfred, when he was first introduced, was fat. But then he lost the weight in which issue of Detective Comics? Hmm. I don't know. It's number 83. 80? Three. Oh, I ah, and he started in Detective Comics number twenty-seven. So wow. that, that's, nope, that's, uh... sixteen. They first gain a butler in number sixteen. 
but Batman first appeared in Detective Comics number 27. Oh, oh sorry, Batman number 16. My bad. Okay. Yeah, he didn't have a butler at first. Interesting. Yes. I also like how him and Jim Gordon were friends. Like, Bruce Wayne and Jim Gordon were buddies. Oh, yeah. It's like, uh, here, come check out this crime scene. Yeah, that's my, my favorite parts of that whole book. It's like, hmm, I, you know, they just got called into this crime. I have to investigate. Do you want to come, random citizen? <laughs> you know, rich people get to do whatever they want. That's, that, that's, what, that's what it's really trying to say. Exactly. And I forgot the horrible thing. Uh, so if you missed two more questions, you've already missed one. If you missed two more, then... Uh, your family will forget who you are forever uh, and all the all those great firsts you had with them and will be able to create no new memories ever and you'll be sad and alone for all time that is that is harsh but um all right let's let's see what i do all right when was the first time hulk said hulk smash wasn't the first issue number eight nope Nope. it was tales to astonish number 76 wow god man i don't know a lot of firsts oh i know that's why it's fun so no, it's yeah, they, they were taking it's fun torturing your family members. They were they were taking pictures of of the Hulk. It says lights blinding Hulk can't see go or Hulk smash. Interesting. And who wrote that? Do you know? Was it uh, Stanley or? I don't know. Back then, probably. What, what issue was it? Tales to Astonish. Tales to Astonish number seventy six. Let's find out. Uh, Submariner in the Hulk. Da, da, da. Let's keep going. Come on, computer. Stanley and uh, Gene Collin is the penciler. Hmm. Cool enough. Cool enough. Cool. Cool. Okay. Apparently, there's something called Drunk Detective Comics. Drunk Detective. There's, there's a picture of a guy in a Batman suit holding a beer cup in a like a lounge chair. Nice. We'll, I like we'll, it. We'll follow up with that. Yeah. Next question. Okay. What was the first what? What? Yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this. When was the first time that Wolverine's claws made the snicked noise? Hmm. It was in Uncanny X-Men. I want to say if it wasn't earlier, then it was when he was going to infiltrate the Hellfire Club but I don't know the exact issue. It's Which one is it? 1975's Giant Size X-Men number one. Oh, so it's basically his first X-Men appearance. Never mind. Uh, it's been a while since I read that issue. Yeah, man, this is really sad. Yeah, I knew you weren't going to get these, but I thought you'd have fun with the little interesting these, these are like these, Yeah, I mean, I, I love learning them, but like these are the kind of things where I've never like thought to be like, hey, when did Hulk say Hulk smash for the first time? When did the the snick sound effect first pop up in a comic, you know? Mm-hmm. So, hey, you know what? Despite the fact that I'll never be able to to connect with a family member again, I I'm loving this this uh impromptu knowledge. You know, and I, I probably should have been I should have written these questions out first. This is my bad. I'm doing kind of on the fly. So, I'll try to phrase the next two a little bit better here. We'll see. In 
Which issue of Action Comics do we first see green kryptonite? of action comics mm. I don't know number 142 wow kryptonite start action comics 1 action comics 1 142 well action yeah action comics number 142 hmm yep it first appeared, I think, it made its first appearance in number 61, but it wasn't, it was like red. Someone, this weird, I don't know what, uh, this weird Swami had it like on his head. Anyway, last question that you're hmm. probably going to fail. Probably. It's, it's so sad for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In what issue of Batman does Catwoman first appear? In Detective Comics 3004? You realize I said in what issue of Batman does she first appear? (laughs) Oh, God. I totally missed that. Uh, Batman 3004? Nope. It's Batman number one. Really? Yep. Interesting. Wow. Cat. Cat woman. Woman of the cat. Don't make weird cat noises. I already did. You can't stop me. Oh, that's so awkward. We're just going to go ahead and move on to the news. <laughs> oh, we didn't do the event update. beep 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 Man, we are off tonight. We are just this is this, this is an off night. I I don't know about you. Well, you know, but, I've, I've been having, I've been I've been traveling a lot lately. You've been you've been doing stuff. I've been doing a lot of driving. I have to drive ten hours, or like twelve hours, pretty Why? soon. We're going out to a wedding in Maine. Wait, you're coming all the way up to Maine for like two days. You're not even gonna say hi, dude. We don't have time. I can meet you on the side of the road. No. We li- right. really don't have time. Eh, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. Anyway. But, uh, let's talk about some casting news. There's casting been... news. Well, there's one really big one I forgot to put on here. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Let's talk about uh, the fact that Joaquin Phoenix is about to get a little bit stranger. A little bit stranger. That's right. Joaquin Phoenix is reportedly... In final negotiations to portray Doctor Strange in the upcoming film, uh, he was not my first it, like vision for that character. There's been a ton of fan castings for people who thought. I don't think anybody ever said Joaquin Phoenix. Well, it's just, he's just an interesting guy. Where I, I remember when I was at Blockbuster, like I, I usually keep an eye out for some of his movies. Just he kind of has that presence, you know, that mm-hmm. you, you can't really ignore. And I know that, you know, Marvel films have attracted a lot of people that at first glance you might not have expected them to attract. So, you know, Walking Phoenix definitely falls under that umbrella. But he definitely, definitely, definitely didn't strike me as a guy, you know, especially because he's signing on for a multi-picture deal, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Would he be my first pick? No. Could he do a good job? Yes. It's hard for me to say without knowing him personally if his heart's truly in the project. I, it, it's hard for me to say. I, I, don't, I just feel like these big multi-franchise blockbuster-type movies, which Doctor Strange, regardless of the subject matter, will ultimately be some form of summer blockbuster, however unique it might be. Mm-hmm. Still might not be Walking Phoenix most. You know, it would be him. It truly would be him stepping out of his comfort zone to do something different. Um, whether or not that means that he'll truly shine it is a different story, but I'm not here to, you know, doomsay or anything. Now, is Doctor Strange British? No, he's he's American. Why do I have it in my head that he's British? I don't know, because he just maybe has a British air about him. Yeah, maybe. Usually when you have British characters and they kind of, you know, like you think of like the Lord of the Rings where they're all like some form of British, European, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, and it just feels like it has a sort of fantastical, highfalutin, you know, quality et cetera, to it. Et cetera, yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I, I like Joaquin Phoenix just fine. He doesn't seem old enough for the role. I Well, it's where I imagine they want to play him a bit younger. Right, give him some longevity in it. You know, and Doctor Strange is never meant to be that old. He's definitely an older man. He's got the white streaks, yeah. man. He does, but like so does Reed Richards, and they 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 kind of do it. It's there for like visual cues, but you know he's not he's not old old. You know, at best, I would say they want to portray him as a man in his forties. Yeah, Walking Phoenix is only thirty nine. Always struck me as being older than that. Stephen Strange or Walking Phoenix? Walking Phoenix. Yeah, see, I always imagine Stephen Strange being, like, yeah, like 40s, almost 50s kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he totally has the white streaks just because they want him to have that air of, like, maturity, and you're going to respect him because, you know, he. It, it, it's like the fact that we always see Reed Richards wearing a lab coat, even over his, like, dumb costume. It's like, oh, we can trust him. He's a doctor. Look at him. He has the, he has the white coat. I, I remember yeah. uh, I remember in college I had to go to like do these psych experiments you know where we would be like the ones that I don't want to say they were testing on because that's weird but we were like participants in the experiment there we go mm-hmm. and I, I'd be sitting in the hallway waiting for the, the like waiting for it to start and you'd have someone walk into the room and then you know a normal college student and then a couple minutes later they come back out and like direct you in but now they're wearing a white lab coat it's like that really it breaks the illusion when i can see you beforehand because mm-hmm. now i'm just on with the game like if i walk in there and there's like bunsen burners and stuff like that like i'm gonna be like holy crap like there's actual like lab work going on in here but when you know when you're just like a girl in like a tank top and a skirt and you come out wearing a lab coat the authority doesn't suddenly increase no it doesn't but i mean who wouldn't want an excuse to wear a lab coat oh man i wish i had a lab coat i actually used to own one Dr. Jan Itor. <laughs> Jan Itor. I th- I was a kid and uh, we went to go see. You weren't just you weren't just one day appear in your uh, adult body. I will. Yes. Yes. No, no. I'm saying like you said you were you were once a kid. I'm I was once a kid. I'm saying yes. like you didn't just appear in your adult body. Man, oh, now no. the joke's ruined. Anyway, you were a kid. <laughs> <laughs> On some level, I still appreciate the attempt. Eh, um, I don't. I went to go see some kind of local play. Um, it may have been Godspell. I don't know. It was something. But there was a guy on stage wearing a lab coat. And I was like, Mom, like, 
you know, he's wearing a lab coat, but he's not a doctor. Like, why is that? You know, like, <laughs> like totally naive. Um, and, and she's like, oh, I mean, like, you can wear a lab coat if you want. And I'm like, really? So, like, one of my birthdays, I got a lab coat, and I had it for years. You were such a nerd. That was my story. <laughs> oh, man, I have so many thoughts on that. Anyway, let's talk about the other big casting news that just got announced today. Which The Rock. The Rock. Dwayne Johnson. We, we've talked about this before, that he has said that he was he pretty much had he pretty much had the whatever he wanted he could either be shazam or black adam and we found out today that he is going to be the black adam now because he's made his decision i really wanted to see his take on shazam yeah i i agree um however i think i really and even when all of this was happening I really thought that the best uh, Shazam, and I still think, would be Patrick Warburton. For <laughs> yeah, there is like a younger Patrick Warburton could really pull off. I think Shazam. he could even, he could even still pull it off. Maybe, now. maybe even now, yeah, yeah. I can, I can totally see that. Um, like you have it, that this full grown man who can act like a child. You know, Patrick and uh, here's the one thing that kind of it just kind of dawned on me though. On one hand, like I want my movies to be about the heroes a lot. I guess as far as, far as Marvel films goes, the the villains haven't always been the most interesting or most developed part of their movies, with the mm-hmm. exception of like Loki, um, and mostly because he's been given the chance to be in multiple appearances. Um, but and with DC, as far as this current iteration goes, we've only had Man of Steel. Um, but with The Rock being the most probably, he'll probably end up being the most high profile person involved in the Shazam film. The film needs to be about Shazam. But if he's going to be Black Adam, like, I want him to be a, a well developed villain. Mm-hmm. But I also don't want him to take attention away from the fact that I'm not going to see the movie for Black Adam. I'm going to see it for Shazam. You know, as good as, like, say, The Dark Knight is and how amazing Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker was. At the end of the day, I'm still there to see Batman. Mm-hmm. I want to see Batman triumph. Right. You know, but it's cool that, like, as a side dish, I get a really awesome villain. So I want an awesome villain in Black Adam, but I don't want the movie to be called Shazam, but really be about Black Adam. Right. Well, and you have to realize this is this very easily announcement could have been The Rock saying that he's going to be playing Shazam. Like, it, just, it just so happens that he picked Black Adam. Yes. So I, 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 I see yeah. I see your concern there. I totally get that. But they could come out in the next couple of days and and have an equally as sort of big charismatic star playing Shazam. True enough. And it is one of those interesting things where like DC and Warner Brothers have announced like a, a slew of uh, film release dates, but without any movies attached to them. Though they had and, a, they, they released a few or some websites were registered. Oh yeah, what which ones? Well, none that are surprising. There was uh Justice League film, I think, Wonder Woman movie, Shazam movie and Aquaman movie. Okay. Well, you know, th- things like movies that you like you're expecting to happen. Mhm. Um but for me it's like like they're trying to be really secretive about this, but the fact that like the stuff about the rock and all, you know, about being black and all that's coming out, it just feels like on one hand it's like they have a plan. But on the other hand, I feel like stuff is just kind of coming out, you mm-hmm. know? 
doesn't it, the, 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 I, I'm not seeing the structure behind it. But there's there's literally you know half baked kind of ruminations on the whole thing. But they're they're also keeping stuff so under wraps mm-hmm. that we really don't know what's going on. Like we don't know what's going on with those Aquaman stuff. On some level, I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate them not being like, "Look, guys, look what we're doing! Look what we're doing! Look, we're totally keep, we're totally doing what Marvel's doing right now. It's totally cool." I, I appreciate that they're they're building their stuff and letting it happen. Uh, and I think probably fairly soon or over the next couple of months, we're going to get these really big announcements of all these heroes cast and, and these movie days are going to start filling in before our eyes. But right now they're, they're just very slowly building excitement. And I think they're building it at a good enough pace. Uh, you know, you had, you had all the comic con stuff and people are still kind of riding high on all of that excitement. And there's still speculation with Batman V Superman you have the Wonder Woman stuff that everyone's super excited about. That you, and, you know, now you have oh man, The Rock, like one of the highest paid actors right now. This really charismatic guy who everyone really likes is going to be, you know, the Black Adam. And one thing I really think is interesting is that he, when he posted on Twitter about it, he called him an anti-hero. So I think your whole thought that you know you want there to be more to this villain, I th- mm-hmm. I think that's definitely going to be a possibility. And I would like to see Black Adam sort of in, in, a, in the Loki role in the sense that he's not a throwaway villain. Yeah. That, most most villains shouldn't be a throwaway villain, but for whatever reason... No, but in movies, know, in movies they, they become throwaway villains. They make him very final. Yeah, which is sad that Lokis are one thread and all of that. But I would yeah. like to see, you know, I'd like to see Black Adam be a thorn on the side of the greater... Uh, DC universe. Random, random question. Do you think that if Heath Ledger hadn't passed away, that the Joker would have had an act, like a presence in their final film? I think a small one at best. Nolan even seemed, you know, people. There were all these rumors, like, oh, after Heath Ledger died, Nolan was getting ready to walk away. I don't think that was true. I don't think that was true. But I'm wondering if, you know, I mean, they couldn't like as much as they're like, oh, we really like what Heath Ledger's doing on stage, you know, uh, on set. You know, but they really weren't going to know till the movie came out how big he was going to be mm-hmm. in the role. So, you know, I, I, I again, I, again, isolated incident. The role he did great. I know that you know he died just before the film was released. Um, but you know, had he not died, I imagine his he still would have been really well received in the performance, and that it would that you know, I'm wondering if that would have at the very least, even if they hadn't intended for it maybe influence their decision to write him into a sequel. Yeah, I you think know? the studio would have pushed for it. I don't know if necessarily it's an interesting thought. that Nolan would have wanted it. But I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily have been against it if it was a smaller role and he wasn't you know, he wasn't taking away from whatever the, like if it turned out, oh, this whole thing was really a Joker plot the entire time, like that would have been really dumb and I would have not liked that at all. But if, if he, you know, appeared, if he just appeared for whatever reason, like maybe, you know, when all the inmates are getting out or maybe some scene where he's causing chaos in the streets, if the script had still gone the same way with him being alive, you know, I think that would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so The Rock is going to be Black Adam, kind of get the perfect look for it. Uh, DC, get out there and get Patrick Warburton starring as Shazam. 
Uh, it's a free idea. Take sp- it. Speaking of Patrick Warburton, uh, I want to talk about the possibility that The Tick live-action show might uh, might see the light of day yet again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I watched a few episodes when I was younger, and uh, I, I loved it as a kid. I haven't watched it since, you know, but uh, I, I enjoyed what I saw. Batman Well. And, uh, oh, Batman Well. Was it Liberty Bell or Lady Liberty or I don't uh, remember what it was. It was. I'm pretty sure it's Lady Liberty. I know it's in the comic. It's like American Made. Oh, is it? Yeah. Uh, and I, of course, I love the moth. Oh, it's all so good. It's all so good. <laughs> so I can get uh, da, da, da. Captain Liberty was her name. Captain Liberty. Captain Liberty. Interesting. Anyway, there was a rumor a couple days ago that. They were going to be reviving the tick on Yahoo, the or Yahoo, whatever it's called. Um, and there, there's you know sort of some silence from all the camps. You know, they, they were saying that Patrick Warburton's going to come back. Uh, ben Edlund, the producer of the original show. Um, oh wait, hold on. There's a little bit more of this since last I checked. But he was kind of mum on it, and then he, then he finally, ben, uh, ben Edlund, came out and said that they are indeed pursuing, uh, they're pursuing the idea of a live-action tick with vigor, is what he said. So here, I'm just <clears> going to read this here. Edlund's tweet has been the only official statement on the matter thus far, and doesn't confirm or deny other aspect. Oh, never mind. Uh, following people's initial report, the rap followed with its own account, also stating where Burton would return to the role for an Amazon pilot sourced to an individual with knowledge of the deal. Take that for what you will. It could all be, you know, hearsay and mean absolutely nothing. Uh, I know uh, Patrick Warburton has said that he would really like it to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he. He said that. Well, he said that. I'm sure the character will definitely be coming back. I don't know if I'll be the lucky guy, but I'd love to be that guy. And I'm really hoping that he is that guy. I was actually watching the uh, first episode again today because it's, it's all on Netflix, and yeah. I was laughing. It's a good time. It was. It was funny stuff. And I'm actually going to talk about it a little bit more later for some reason. We'll get to that when we get to that. We'll get to that. All right. One more bit of TV news, then we'll move on. We'll talk about some some comic book news. Let's talk about comic the book news. Well, I mean, this is all you know. It's all superhero news, but it's you know, it's 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 TV stuff. Anyway, the upcoming Gotham TV show, which will be premiering on Fox in what is it? Is it late September or October? Why am I blanking on this right now? No. Um, Do you know? Uh, September. Late, late. I think it's later this month. It's not October. Arrow's in October. Oh, Arrow's. It's September, it's September 22nd. Like September 23rd or something like that. Se- September 22nd is when 22nd. Gotham is hitting the TVs. And there's already been some mixed uh, thoughts on the pilot. And... People are already fearing this is a Fox show. It's going to get canceled. Well, fear not. Even if that does happen, Netflix has already bought the rights to Gotham before the show has even premiered. And and explain to me what that means again. So, let me... Each season will be made available after its broadcast run. 
which the show hasn't even aired yet. Yes, it's a big deal. Uh, sorry, I'm just kind of scanning this again. So what it seems from all everything that I've read so far, it's that Netflix will be airing it pretty much as soon as it uh, as the broadcast run, which is you know that's pretty standard. But people, mm -hmm. the, the idea generally seems to be that if something happens uh, to the show, that Netflix would have a chance to go for it. Hmm. So it allows them to air it, you know, once it's over. Because I know a lot of times they have to wait. You know, a lot of times shows will end up on Netflix just before the new season starts. Mm -hmm. So this allows to get them on right away. I know they have some kind of deal similar to that with Disney. You know, beyond like the upcoming Marvel Netflix miniseries, yeah. Um, that like when Disney films, you know, are released at like Netflix, they can go like right on Netflix. I think they have some kind of exclusive deal with Disney as well. Um, so that does make it interesting. Um, which surprises me that Yahoo of all places, you know, saved Community because I feel like Community is the kind of show that Netflix would totally throw its its lot behind. Yeah, and, um, and, and Yahoo probably threw a lot of money at that hoping to because I know they're hoping to launch their own sort of streaming idea yeah and Yahoo Sony Sony's got powers you know you have to have a PlayStation to watch powers yeah that's going to be really interesting yeah I, I, I imagine that's kind of going to be a one and done sort of thing you think so I don't know I feel like it Sony's interesting just because with Yahoo, I mean, like, there's not, there's no Yahoo box, you know, like anyone could really go on Yahoo, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and yeah. get it and, and watch interesting stuff. Interesting, you have to pay for it. Like, there's a lot of up in the up in the air about that. Yeah, or you know, a Netflix, you know, you can watch Netflix on just about any system, you know, computers, game consoles, whatever, mm -hmm. you know. So all you have to do is have paid Netflix, you know, eight bucks a month and you're gold. You know, with like something like Sony, like basically, if you don't own a PlayStation, you're out of luck. So that's an interesting thing. Where yes, there's obviously a lot of people that own PlayStations, you know, to play video games. And I imagine there's a certain percentage of those people that own PlayStations that would use it for other media options. But then also, you have to, and there's also an overlap between people who play games and people who read comics or are interested in comic book properties. But then, how many more? You know, how much more is the percentage reduced that would actually commit to the show? And exactly how does Sony monetize that, where they're actually making a profit, or simply because people subscribe to like Sony's like Plus services or whatever? Like that's basically where the brunt of the money is coming from. You know, it's just a lot of interesting questions. I really don't know how the behind-the-scenes economics work with these kind of decisions, but. It'll be interesting to see because if it's, if it's kind of like an HBO thing where if you own HBO, like that's where HBO gets their money so they can produce whatever shows they want within the budget they set out for themselves. Is that kind of the same thing with Sony? So Powers could run for however many seasons it wants, you know, assuming it's popular. But, you know, you don't necessarily need the same amount of people watching it as you would like a network TV show. Mm -hmm. Now, okay. So now I'm reading a little bit more into this here. And shame on you, Internet, for all of your hype and not reading the articles. And it's totally on me, too. Uh, so it does not seem like Netflix has picked up any rights to make Gotham if anything should happen. Which, you know, would be nice because I feel like Fox, if Gotham's not doing well, they might pull the plug. But I think the show has a lot of potential 
they basically just spent a good amount of money to get streaming rights, uh, I think exclusively, right off the bat. And the mm-hmm. whole the whole fact that it's impressive is because the show hasn't aired yet, mm-hmm. and they're the speculation is that they're trying to get in on it on the cheap before it builds up an audience, and then you know Warner Brothers can't come back and be like, oh no no, you know instead of they spent a hundred point seven five million dollars per episode, mm-hmm. uh, instead you know if, if they had an audience, then Warner Brothers could be like, no you know instead we want you know two point five million, like they're just trying to get rights to it quickly and cheaply mm-hmm. i'm using air quotes with the word cheaply here folks people can you see the air quotes can you hear them can you feel them in your soul <laughs> in your charles soul because charles soul has signed an exclusive deal with marvel to run uh until 2015 he now belongs to them as my understanding is, is that correct? Sorry, you cut out? What was that? Oh, so from my understanding, Charles Soul now uh, belongs to Marvel. Yeah, as, as much as anyone can belong. Yes, he has signed an exclusive contract with mm-hmm. Marvel. Um, he, he, he will stay enough, on. Yeah, I was going to say he will stay on to Red Lanterns and Swamp Thing until uh, March of next year. And I've, I've actually I, I've heard good things about both of his his DC books and I of course you know I though I didn't keep up with the, the doomed storyline I was enjoying his Superman Wonder Woman up until then mm-hmm. um, so and you know he said that he's had a great relationship with DC and I'm sure it's just a matter of time you know for however long the ca- the contract lasts for that he'll be back at their doors with more work yeah he even but, said that he you know he really enjoys working with them and wants to return to them. And I think, and I, I, and I know that like he, he clearly is a guy that's very dedicated, very efficient, you know, and was able to tackle multiple tro- projects. Uh, you see a lot of writers, you know, Bendis is one of them, where they can tackle like multiple books. Like they, and you got to imagine they have personal lives too, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that's got to be a lot of work. And I feel like when when you read when you read them in the months where they have a lot of projects going on, you know, that's I feel like across the board they can suffer a bit. So it seems like he's accepted the fact that, hey, you know what? All things considered, I did a really good job tackling like 300 books a month. But I kind of want to cut it down to 200 and see what I can really do when I can dedicate more time to each project individually. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, as much as I enjoy Superman Wonder Woman, I'm really curious about Peter Tomasi and Doug Mank Mank, on uh, Superman Wonder Woman going forward. That's going to be kind of cool. But back to Soul... um, is it with an E, is it like Soleil or something like that? Yeah. Charles Soleil. I don't know. Soleil. I'm gonna so, I'm, I'm gonna click on this video here for a second. Nick, you won't be able to hear it. Okay. But pe- people at home will. For over 70 years, one car has beaten all competitors, the Batmobile. Now collect them all with Batman Automobilia, the official Batmobile collection, out now. Um. As everybody can see, I am sitting here with Charles Soul. I am Jonah Wilder. Yeah, it's just Soul. That was a waste of time. It's just Soul. It's Soul. Um, You know, uh, I've been enjoying his She-Hulk book. Um, Inhuman. I don't really know where I land on that yet. I can admire Marvel's attempt to give that particular uh, concept and property a, a big push. 
how it's going to fall shake out. Uh, I think we'll see over the next couple of years. Um, you know, and that's less Charles Soul. I feel like Inhuman for him, you know, is probably his most editorially driven project. Uh, and what what I what I've seen with Soul though is that he he can really he adapts well to directions. Like he's not one of those guys where it's like I feel stifled when there's too much editorial interference. Like he like he really wants to he he'll work with the whole team. He'll he'll do what he has to to get the best story out there possible. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, but I think Inhumus is, is taking some time to kind of, to kind of uh, establish itself. It, right now, it's it's like I, I don't want to be one of the people that jumps on the. It's basically Marvel creating an alternative X Men concept, um, but that's where it's kind of feeling like mm, you know, besides like the ancient heritage kind of element that plays into it, um, there's not much that isn't X Men about it, mm-hmm. um, but. You know, and then like I know in a recent issue they established that like Black Bolt released a Terrigan mist so that there'd be more the the most inhumans the world ever saw because some giant threat is coming. I feel like a giant threat's kinda like one of those things where it's like it's like an easy you know, it's an easy way, easy route to go when you need to justify something like oh, the sure. big, the great darkness is coming and we must all band together in huge numbers to fight it. It's it basically comes like the third act battle in most you know blockbuster movies where it's just a bunch of faceless so and sos fighting a bunch of faceless so and sos you know that's not particularly enticing to me but the book can certainly do a lot between now and then you know to make you grow on all the characters and mm-hmm. it really comes down i don't really know i'm going on inhuman rant all of a sudden anyway in you know soul on uh, inhuman <laughs> um yeah you were you did just almost tangent there i, I almost where... did but david i've made improvements i i caught myself Congratulations. He's also doing uh, the whole Death of Wolverine thing. Yeah, he says he's very involved in the ongoing Wolverine, or lack thereof, story. So, over under six months. You think he'll be back? Well, I'm saying, do you think it's going to be over or under six months? Over. Marvel, Marvel seems to have made a point to say, you know, that, that Wolverine, that they, that they have no exit strategy or I guess in this case would be an entrance strategy for or re-entrance for Wolverine um, that they're basically going off with he's dead, we're going to explore the ramifications and we're going to let the long-term effects really milk, you know, really milk them out for the duration of Logan's death. Um, yeah, when and, they, know, when they guess, said that they had no idea. You know, unfortunately, no exit strategy, you know, can be it can be a year it can be two years supposedly i think it's we're we're shored up until like 2016 um i imagine whenever they decide to release the next wolverine solo film or even x-men apocalypse if wolverine has some kind of presence in that they might um uh want to have him back in time for that you know but they could at the same time marvel or at the very least I think I saw this on Tom Brevoort's uh, Tumblr page. He was insisting that by the time Avengers 2 rolls around, that Falcon will still be Captain America, that Thor will still be a woman, and uh, potentially Tony Stark will still be a megalomaniacal uh, crazy genius. So, you know, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I- yes, but but all of those characters, Steve Rogers... Thor, Odin's son, and Tony Stark will still be alive and kicking around. 
Yeah, and, and mm. that that was never a secret. But they won't necessarily still, you know, Steve Rogers is still going to be old. You know, he's not necessarily going to be front and center throwing the shield around by the time Avengers 2 comes out. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't see it being a very long time. between. I know they said, oh, yeah, we don't have an exit strategy for it, dot, 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 at this time. But Well, again, if, if you want to be one of those people that kind of looks at the conspiracy theory, you know, crap behind all of this, you could say that while Wolverine is still a profitable character for them on the publishing side, the real money for Wolverine comes from his movie business. No. The, the movie... The, they get consistent revenue from the publishing because it's only every few years you get Wolverine in a film. But, you know, but, he, from a business standpoint, they see more bang for their buck when it comes to the movies. That's just, I mean, that's just... But, right, but right now, you're also getting a big boom on Marvel, all these Marvel games that Wolverine is featured in. And a lot of these games, like the, what the crap is it called? Disney Infinity or whatever, Marvel Infinity... We have yes. to go out and buy these little statues. Like those things, are those things are making Marvel plenty of money. No, no, they are. Wolverine still has a, a presence under the main Marvel banner, but I don't I, buy into I, conspiracy honestly, theory. I, and I, I'm not saying that I do. I'm saying if you did, you know, you could say that it's not that that they they obviously will bring Wolverine back at some point. It's a matter of when, not if. But that they might be willing to drag their feet more with a character like Wolverine, who, as far as the film rights are concerned, which is where a lot of the attention is these days, is still at Fox. But, see, the films get people into the comic store to look up, man, what's going on with blah, blah, blah right now? Honestly, and I really don't have any numbers for this, but I always see a lot of comments on you know, online about how many people really cross over from the films to be. I'm not saying it's a permanent insistent. crossover, but people get more interested. Fair enough. But I feel like it's one thing where something unique like Watchmen comes out, which was a huge boost for that book. You know, whereas like we're now on to like our eighth Wolverine appearance. It might remind us like, oh, hey, I should check out some Wolverine comics. But, you know, it, it's been there, done that. You know, Guardians probably got a huge boost. You know, a lot of the back material and stuff because of the movie. And it probably will again when the, the sequel comes out. But so on and so forth, the, the longer you go, it's like, yeah, we're going to put the material out. But it's not just going to be the same as it was the first time around. Yeah, or it was I, a experience. This is just a lot of speculation on my part. I really don't have any concrete numbers to look at. Yeah, I'd be really curious if there was a, a way to look at the comic book sales for like the X-Men books around, you know, around the times the movies come out and how much all that changes. I don't know. Interesting. And yeah, it's, there's lots of, lots of speculation. I mean, that's really all we can do. I am in, I am numb to the character dying. Um, Charles soul is handling the book very well from the little bit that I've seen. Mm-hmm. I, because I know that there's such a strong writing force behind it, I'm actually a little more inclined to read them all. Mm-hmm. You know, because it does seem like it is going to be a good story. Mm-hmm. And um, and we'll see. I think this goes back to my little thing earlier about, you know, because it you know it's being billed as the death of Wolverine. 
you know, that you're going in knowing exactly where you're going to get. It's not like you were just reading, you know, Wolverine, you know, Wolverine only appears in Uncanny X-Men and you're reading the latest issue of an arc and he dies, mm -hmm. you know, like it comes out of, you know, it's a left field, you know, death to impact the, the ongoing story. At this point, like everything is kind of divvied up into its own corner. Everything is a franchise unto itself and has to be promoted as such. So like you're going in, you know, with all of your expectations, you know, trumped up and set. But that doesn't obviously that doesn't mean that it can't be good. Right. What I'm hoping, what I what I'm really excited for is the slew of replacement Wolverines we're gonna get. So you're gonna have like the red and blue Wolverine. Uh, you're you're gonna have the the Wolverine who's wearing the adamantium on the outside of his body and carries Cyborg a giant Wolverine. hammer. Yeah, you're gonna have the uh you know the the Wolverine that will. Be, uh, be played by Shaq one day in a movie. <laughs> I, I'm very, you know, very excited for. Uh, you're gonna have Wolverine Boy, who's gonna wear a leather jacket, <laughs> uh, and try to be really cool and hip. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a good time. It will be interesting, you know, as far as are they going to have like literally a replacement Wolverine? Will there be someone running around calling himself Wolverine? Because in Uncanny Avengers, they did bring back his son Dokken. But he's, oh, gosh, he's his son is so awkward. His com he, he's 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 still a horseman of death. Is he? You know he he's 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 like all blue. Like he's like his skin is blue and he's wearing like a black suit and like he's he's still technically dead. Like he's not a zombie, but he's he's undead. You know he's he was brought back to life just to be a horseman. But he's now he's a free agent. Um, you know, but how much they're gonna try and move away from that? Who knows? You know, Dawkins one of those characters where. You can do the redemption story with him, you know. Like mm -hmm. he's he's done plenty of terrible stuff, but I feel like he's that character where if you if you play it right, you could do a good redemption story with him. But like you just don't want him to be, you know. He's he's, uh, and I'm not saying that the, the the characters are both on the same par, but he's that Damien, you know, or Jason Todd type character where he just needs to be a black sheep no matter what. Right. You know that you can make you can develop his character here or there, but like he's kind of got to be like this unreal. Like I always called him Snobberine. You know, <laughs> I remember I remember this cover from like uh, Wolverine Origin, which was like a book I think like Daniel Way was on, and it was a picture of Dokken wearing kind of like like you know Sebastian Shaw from the Hellfire Club. Like they have like kind of like you know old Victorian style you know look about them with like the cummerbunds and the, the 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 wacky collars and stuff like mm. there's a picture of Dokken like wearing that and to me like he is this guy where you know he's got wolverine's sort of feral edge but he's much more cultured he was raised much more cultured than logan was so i call him snobberine yeah that's, that's my little that's my little Dokken aside so i'm curious about that now uh, as 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 a horseman of the apocalypse is he uh still bisexual um, I mean, it, I don't know if Apocalypse has any, you know, if he's for or uh, if that's the kind of thing that he'd tweak out. Uh, long story short, Dokken is one of four horsemen of death, not horsemen of death, war, pestilence, famine. So okay, because I knew Wolverine was the horseman of was or I guess a horseman of death for a while, right? Yeah, and so was Archangel. Archangel was a horseman of death. What they did in Uncanny Avengers was they they and in Uncanny X Force was they had established that like horsemen were created with something called the Death Seed. The Death Seed could also act as basically creating the next apocalypse. Mm -hmm. um, that apocalypse is by and large 
uh, an engine for the Celestials. Um, um, what the Apocalypse Twins did, the the children of Archangel um, and another horseman, uh, I want to say she was Pestilence, um, who were raised by Kang in the future and came back as adults. They used four Death Seas and created four Horsemen of Death. So not just like, again, war, pestilence, and all that. Like four actual Horsemen of Death. Um, Dokken was one. The Grim Reaper was one. Banshee was another. And the Sentry was the last one. Okay. Um, eh, yeah, we don't have to get too far yeah, into, yeah, we don't into have to all of that. Into it. Um, I imagine he is still bisexual, yes. Yeah, to get back to your original question about his sexual orientation, probably. Yes, yes, yes. He, I, I don't know if that's changed, but they haven't exactly played it up. Like, I, on one hand, you know, it's, it's whatever if he is. There's, you know, there's he, very few things I know about Dokken. I know that he's Wolverine's son. People really, he, or I should say, really, he has no fans of his own, and he was bisexual. That's well, you know, what? he actually maintained two separate ongoing series good for him i want to say the two i mean there's like one and i think it kind of turned into another one one and a half sort of thing you know like he was he was in one book and then like when dark rain came around it was like dark rain dark wolverine or docking dark wolverine i don't know ah. but, but <laughs> from what I, read, I actually read a few of those issues and they were pretty good all right he's a character that could go horribly wrong but when done well he can be a very compelling addition to the wolverine mythos yeah yeah, I always thought it was an interesting idea to give him a son. I kind of wish that they had. I mean, I'm sure they have because I haven't read stuff in a very long time. Uh, you know, so I'll just, ask, I'll just ask you briefly: What is X twenty three up to? Um, she's actually in Bendis's all new X Men. Okay. She has been running around with the time displaced original X Men. Uh, at first, they were hinting at a, a, a blossoming. Uh, romance between Cyclops and her, but then Cyclops decided to stay in space with his space pirate dad. So now Bendis <laughs> is playing... Space pirate dad. Yeah, right? Space pirate's dad, the series. Um, now Bendis is playing with a blossoming romance between Angel mm-hmm. and her, which uh, from I was reading a comment from Bendis, and it was something the effect of, like, he likes when those, like, really opposite characters, you know... X-23 is basically the goth in the class and Angel is kind of like the the really popular kind of quarterback type kid, mm-hmm. you know, and that like, you know, they find each other, you know, that against all odds, like they find an attraction with each other and they find something to bond over and get closer and closer. And yeah. I think that's what he kind of wanted to play with, which knowing Bendis was, was probably his plan all along, you know, that if, if things had worked out right, that Cyclops was always going to go into space. You know, mm-hmm. and that was, and 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 literally, I, I I want, and I feel like Bendis would do this. That he just wanted to kind of tease this sort of really big trolling of Wolverine by having Cyclops, who Wolverine is, you know, has a lot of animosity towards. You know, to have Cyclops, you know, shacking up with his female teenage self. Just one of those things I could totally see Bendis playing with just for a bit. You know, before he gets to the, the story he really wants to tell. Right, just having just having a little bit of fun. Exactly, having a little bit of fun. And, and for what it's worth, I, I thought that that was just like a perfect setup. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't but, know, I don't know but yeah, why. She's, I... She's, she's running around. She's actually, so, so in theory, what that means is that she works with, she actually works in adult Cyclops' camp huh. of X-Men. I don't, um, yeah, I don't know why. I've always just really liked the character of X-23. See, we found 
uh, a female character, female hero that I don't hate. <laughs> no, X-23 is a character, again, like, when done really well, she's a really compelling addition to the, the, the Wolverine mythos. Mm-hmm. Um, My first introduction to her was in NYX. If you want to get into some obscure Marvel books. Boom, NYX. Yeah, that was how she was introduced to the greater Marvel Universe. Yep. That was a good book. It was a good book. Ended too soon. Yes, it did. They had a sequel. Did you ever read it? No. Yeah. Oh, maybe I did. I don't remember. NYX, No Way Home, I think, something like that. Check it out. Okay, yeah, I never read No Way Home, but definitely read NYX. So, yeah, I think uh, think we're kind of... We're winding down here. Why don't we go ahead and do our recommendations and then get the heck out. Recommendations. Tell me about The Tick. So, yeah, my recommendation, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I'm going to recommend The Tick TV show, the 2001 short-lived, nine-episode-only <laughs> television show that can be found on Netflix. It was on Fox, uh, so no really big surprise that it ended up getting... Uh, you know, Axed. canceled. Yeah. Yeah. But it starred Patrick Warburton as the Tick. And you had David Burke as Arthur, who was the Moth. I don't. I think that's the only name he really gave himself. Uh, Liz Vassy as Captain Liberty and Nestor Carbonell, uh, who you might know better as Richard Alpert from Lost slash the Mayor from Dark Knight. Oh and, yeah, uh, Dark Knight I do Rises, remember that as Batman. Well. Uh, And it just followed the adventures of the Tick and team as they fought crime and were superheroes. It's super funny. It was kind of in the heyday of Fox's sitcoms. So you had stuff like Malcolm in the Middle that came out of that time, which I'm a really big fan of Malcolm in the Middle. Not not, that the two are similar, but I felt like Fox was really putting out some really strong shows in that era for, you know, the 30-minute comedy sort of thing. Uh, anyway, it is super goofy. It is just a super good time. Mm-hmm. It was a, a superhero adaptation when there weren't a whole lot of superhero adaptations. That's I think true. I think if it if it were to come out now, and that's why I'm really excited by this whole idea of um, of of a relaunch because I think that it would totally be in people's alley right now because, you know, we have all these really serious superhero movies and these really big action movies and these, uh, you know, science thrillers and the horror movies and all that coming out. Right now they're all superhero related. If we have a comedic superhero show, I think it would be a really big hit right now. Uh, So go out there, go watch it on Netflix, and then go add your voice to the internet cry that... You know, we want we want some more. Oh man, Ron Perlman's in it. I need to find that episode. I was I was watching today, and uh, Christopher Lloyd was in the first like five minutes of the first episode. Oh yeah, yeah, it's really good, really good time. Uh, anyway, yeah, the tick. Go see Patrick Warburton with his hilarious deep voice, <laughs> and and whatnot. Nick, what do you have to recommend for us? I'll be honest, I got nothing. I was trying Man, to think of something. I was trying something. to give you some time. I know, I know, I know. I, I, I was really trying to think of something. Uh, I, I have, I've been uh, really busy, and actually, I don't think I've, besides the original since today, I don't think I've read a comic since like the last show. Um, so I, there's nothing like present on my mind that I feel like I could bring up, you know, with enough 
justice for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but definitely something, you know, now that my, my busyness has kind of winded down, I'm definitely going to catch up on a bunch of stuff and I'll have something for next week. Well, here, let me, you know, let me ask this. Is there anything that you're looking forward to catching up on? Um, this won't necessarily be a recommendation, but you know, a, a lot of my independent books, you know, like the image, dark horse, etc. One of my, one of my white whales is to collect all the current Hellboy volumes that are out mm. there and BPRD and, uh, Excuse me, like really read through them, you know? Like just Ape, like, like just that, or like Abe Sapien? Like stuff, Hellboy, yeah. BPRD, Abe Sapien, all okay, of them. Okay, all of them. I, ha- I have a bunch of the Hellboys pre, pre, uh, you know, pre uh, Hell, Hellboy in Hell, and I've got a, a handful of the BPRDs pre Hell on Earth. Um, but I mean, like, I they're all, some of them are out of order. Like, I, I, I'm missing volumes in between, so like, I've never sat down and really read through them since I read like the first four or five Hellboy volumes way back when. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's one of my white whales to eventually conquer. Um, from Image, I'm a couple of issues behind on like Black Science. I'm way behind on uh, East of West, as I know you are. Way behind. Um, and uh, I've got... I'm closing on near 2,000 comics. I have purchased free, discounted, or otherwise from Comixology. And I'm sure there's plenty of them I'll never ever get to because they're like, like it was some of it was from like when the Marvel released like 700 free comics, uh-huh. um, first issues. Um, but there's a lot of series on there that I eventually want to get to and tackle. Um, honestly, I don't even know what's on there, but I got stuff. Uh, I want to read some more of the Lunar Brothers work. Oh, cool. Um, so I'll probably come back with something like that. I've got to read Girls from them and uh girls and uh and ultra you know that beastie so, yeah, boy song the what the beastie boy song yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. all right no cool cool so you have to update us i'm sure you'll probably have some stuff from that stack to throw at us Most in the coming sure. weeks well i think that is going to do it for us thank you so much for giving us a listen uh, if you want to recommend something for us to read or just give us thoughts of something we've said or uh, tell us why we were wrong about anything, go ahead and send us an email at heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. Heckyeahcomics.com is our website for some uh, more stuff over there. You can find some reviews, some different articles. You can also follow us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics can follow me, David Luzader, on Twitter, at DavLuz. Uh, you can find Nick buried underneath a stack of comics, slowly uh, dying from thirst because nobody would know that he's missing. And I think that's it. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends. If you hated it, then please tell your enemies. And until next time, goodbye. Good night. Worst episode ever.